blind man sat on the top of a tree and he sang in a voice like milk. I'm looking for a beautiful girl, sang he with brown hair and red cheeks. A lady who can climb trees and squeeze bees for their honey.
Greetings. How are you? Um, I'm feeling... I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relaxed. Actually, that's a lie. I'm, I'm actually feeling very uptight, a bit anxious and a bit on edge. Um, I guess I should explain. Um, it all started two weeks ago. Um, I went on holiday. Uh, before that, I went and got my hair cut. And I've been going to the same place for years, and it comes from some sort of misplaced sense of loyalty. So, recently I feel like, you know, my hairdresser Dennis, he's there and he's starting to get complacent. You know, it started off with small things at first. You know, he was answering his phone when he was cutting my hair and kind of, you know, he had the usual same inane chat, you know, about different things. I really, I wasn't really listening. But this last time he pushed it too far. I was sat there and Dennis was going through the motions and he paused whilst cutting my hair and he started eating an egg bap. And he was taking bites out of the egg bap and the egg was literally spurting out of the edges and out the sides of the egg and it was going all over his fingertips and he was licking his fingertips like this. In between cutting my hair, he was going from me to the egg bap and back again. You know, I was like you, I was disgusted by this, I was repulsed by this. And I thought to myself, that's it, I'm done, I'm never going back. He's boycotted, boycotted because of an egg bat. But now I have that difficult thing that if, if I kind of go anywhere near the hairdressers or if I get my hair cut somewhere else, I'm going to feel this unnecessary sense of shame and guilt. But I've come up with a plan. What I'm going to do is, I've got this paper mache mask, so I'm going to put that on. And if I go past the hairdressers and Dennis stops me in the street, I'm going to have to put on a different voice like this. It is not Patrick, it is I, the Duke Archibald III of Buckingham. Just so he doesn't know it's me. So anyway, I got my hair cut, I got on the plane. You know, and even for me, even getting on the plane is a struggle. You know, I hate flying, but I managed to do it. And I got on there and I landed and I went straight to the beach. And I sat there and I just watched the sea coming in and going out and coming in and going out and coming in and going out.
radio Barely keeps alive those soap stick blues from 1935 That Mardi Gras long over and gone Only these rattling echoes dawdle on These leaves are dead and dry The autumn's breath Hums a hungry lullaby To death Time's wooden leg Is stuck in the door His hand on the knob Jiggling the thin castanets of his jaw He's doing his job But your sequined legs from crotch to nail Continue to dance In a slow centivitis They gracefully flail The tune is chants
I've spent several years in the health resort in the Euros. Our mother country cares for its children, and it was for their own good that their insanity should be properly treated. When they were cured, they were guaranteed employment since this is an important aspect of the Soviet constitution. But it was felt they were not ready to resume their lives in Moscow, that Vladimir could not give his lectures in subnucleonic particle physics again, so for his own good, he was employed in a tractor plant in the bracing air of Siberia. During the long winter evenings in Siberia, one of the more warming aspects of the social life was the endless toasts to our beloved leaders and the party that we cherish and thank for our present good fortune. Comradeship and vodka go hand in hand. Unfortunately, Olga was unduly taken by the spirit of comradeship and became fatter and fatter and uglier and uglier. In the end, she was volunteered for a further spell in the health resort, away from the vodka and from Vladimir. One evening, after Olga had been gone several months, Vladimir was comforting himself with comrade vodka in the plant canteen when Sergei appeared. Sergei lived in Vladivostok and was visiting his father, a local party official. He did not have the usual pomp pallor on the diet of potatoes and red cabbage. Sergei was a sailor. His eyes were eyes used to far horizons. His skin had enjoyed the warmth of the sun and the rough caress of the wind. And his conversation betrayed his knowledge of distant lands. Here was someone who could appreciate Vladimir's erudition and education. Several bottles later, the new comrades in arms were riding the world in Vladimir's apartment room. That night was the warmest he'd had in many months. Somehow, Vladimir felt there was nothing wrong in two like minds sharing moments together. Moments stretched into days. Days of shared pleasure and shared pain. They worried whether Sergei's gifts of an Italian silk scarf and an adamant record would be enough to still the tongue of the fat matron who kept an eye on the comings and goings in Vladimir's apartment block. It seemed the end of a dream when Sergei had to rejoin his ship. Vladimir wept openly at their farewell. At four the next morning, they came to cure Vladimir of his illness.
redone and underpaid, boring and repetitious. And I'm the first one to get the sack. And what I look like is more important than what I do. And if I get raped, it must be my fault. And if I get bashed, I must have provoked it. And if I raise my voice, I'm, I'm a nagging bitch. And if I like fucking, I'm a whore.
so I was um, sat on the beach and I was taking it all in. I was watching the sea and it was kind of coming in and going out and kind of coming in and going out and 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 coming in and going out. And I felt mildly, um, you know, mildly uncomfortable. You know, I had this sort of faint smell of rotting seaweed was kind of hitting my nostrils and I don't know what it was, but I had this kind of eggy taste in my mouth. I felt like I needed some kind of beverage and off in the distance I saw this orange-shaped kiosk. It was, just, it was just kind of there off in the distance. You know, and it was kind of the sort of place um, where you could get sort of a delicious, delicious freshly squeezed juice. A 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 delicious freshly squeezed juice. And stuff like that. So I walked over to the kiosk and, you know, there was a man there and, you know, I waited there patiently and he kind of turned his head and he said, Yes? Can I help you? I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty. Is anywhere I can get a drink? And he said, No. And I said, Is this not a juice bar? And, you know, he had one of those kind of looks on his face, you know, he was completely exasperated by this question. And he said, no, we are no longer serving beverages. We are now focused primarily on funerals and your funeral needs. You know, I was confused by this. You know, I was confused as you were. I mean, I sort of looked around and I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you need to explain. Is this not a juice bar? You know, and he said in an even more exasperated voice, listen. Due to managerial restrictions and cutbacks, this is all we could afford. This uh, orange-shaped kiosk is now primarily focused on your funerals and all your funeral needs. You know, I could feel like there, there was this, this queue forming behind me of people and I was kind of looking around and I, you know, I was panicking. I, I was doing what you'd have done in that situation. So I found myself shouting out loudly so all the people could, behind me could hear, oh yes, what lovely coffins. I'd sort of seen them behind me dotted around the seafront. I'd just ignored them before that. So I started walking amongst these coffins and they were all painted bright pink and I couldn't really understand any of it. I was trying to make sense of the whole thing. And I saw this other man and accidentally I caught his eye. You know, he turned quickly and accidentally I caught his eye. And I don't know why I just sort of panicked in that moment. I just blurred out the first thing I could think of and I just said, it's a nice day for it. And the man, he looked at me and he just stared straight through me. You know, and it was one of those things, you know, I didn't know why I'd said it. And, I, you know, I was just trying to be nice. And, you know, there's complete twats just, just staring straight through me. You know, I felt like, um, I felt like, you know, when you, uh, you go into the supermarket and you want to get some salad and you go over to the veg bit and you look down and there's kind of, you know, there's, you think there's nothing there and there's just one single lettuce left on the shelf. You know, this kind of mouldy, brown, old lettuce, this discarded lettuce, and that's what I felt like. You know, the sort of lettuce that people pick up, turn over, you know, ridicule only to place back on the shelf. So I carried on walking amongst the coffins and I could see people, they were picking them up, they were carrying them on the seafront, they were laying them down, they were laying in them, they were trying them on for size. 
walking down Madison, I swear I never had a gun. No one ever shot no one, I was only having fun. Walking down Madison, swear I never had a gun. I was philosophizing some, checking out the bums. So you give them your nickels, your pennies and dimes, but you can't give them open these mercenary times. Oh no. And you feel real guilty about the coat on your back and the sandwich you had. Oh no. From an uptown apartment to a knife on the A train, it's not that far. From the shops in the penthouse to the rats in the basement, it's not that far. To the bag lady frozen asleep in the park, oh no, it's not. Walking down Madison, I swear I never had a gun. No one ever shot, no one wouldn't do it just for fun. Walking down Madison, trying to keep my head screwed on. I was philosophizing some, checking out the nuns. When you get to the corner, don't look at those freaks. Keep your head down low and stay quick on your feet. Oh yeah. The beaming boy from Harlem the Air Force coat, the ones who died, the ones who tried, the ones that sit and gloat. From an uptown apartment to a knife on the A train, it's not that far. From the sharks in the penthouse to the rats in the basement, it's not that The bag lady frozen asleep on the church steps It's not that far I can show you if you'd like to Train. 
was um, just sort of stood amongst the coffins and you know I was taking it all in and I was still I was still thirsty and just at that moment the man from the kiosk started walking towards me and he just sort of shouted at me he just said hey getting on and I panicked and you know I just said the first thing that popped into my into my head and I just found myself saying to the guy you, you've got great hair you know, I don't know why I said it. It was just, in the moment, it just felt like the right thing to say. And then I followed up with saying, how do you get it so shiny? And he said, fried egg juice. I said, what? He said, fried egg juice. What you want to do is you want to eat an egg bat, let the kind of eggy juice flow over your fingertips, massage it into your scalp. It ends up with a delicious, shiny texture. Dennis was right. And don't ask me why, but, you know, I was in the moment. I don't know what possessed me, but I panicked and I ended up buying a coffin from the guy, 45 euros. It wasn't cheap and he threw in a sombrero for an extra tenner. So I found myself walking along the seafront and I had this massive sombrero on my head. I had this coffin under my arm and it was really resting with my holiday. And I couldn't help but think about the fact that I hadn't paid for the extra baggage. And you know what it's like on those Ryanair flights. It's brutal. So I was walking along the beachfront. I was moving away from where the coffins were and I was walking past the kiosk and I looked in and there wasn't anyone there. And I looked down and I could just sort of see something placed on the floor there. It just sort of caught my eye. I looked around, there was no one about and I climbed into the kiosk. I looked down and I could see this this old sort of lettuce just sort of sat there, you know, on the bottom of the kiosk. And I picked it up in my hands, this discarded, forgotten, neglected, old, mouldy lettuce. And I, you know, I held it in my arms and I realised I didn't need anything else. I didn't need this massive sombrero, I didn't need this coffin, I just threw them to the ground and I spoke to it. I said, it's just me and you. I'm never going to let you go. And I held the lettuce up to my face I gently kissed it. And I felt perfectly calm. 
perfectly at ease. And I made my way home. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Ruby 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 Ruby